This podcast is brought to you by the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, your community foundation, which is focused on one simple goal, to help philanthropists pursue their causes for bettering the lives of people in Louisiana. In 2012, New Schools for Baton Rouge was founded to create excellent school opportunities for every kid in Baton Rouge. On today's podcast, we're going to invite Ken Campbell, the new CEO of New Schools for Baton Rouge, to talk to us about the mission of New Schools for Baton Rouge, how it was started, and Ken's vision for the next decade, ensuring all children have access to an excellent education. By 2030, over half the kids in Baton Rouge will attend a public charter school, and the goal is to ensure that no student ever attends a DRF-rated school again. Let's start the pod. Ken, welcome. Yeah, good to be here. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. It's good to see you. <laughs> good to see you, too. This is a little bit of a role reversal. <laughs> uh, you know, this is close to my heart. And it so is. We're just thrilled to, to have you in today. And um, I'd, I'd love, before we get to New Schools for Baton Rouge, let's talk about you for a second, yeah. because you have had a distinguished career of public service. You were in the army. Uh, you then, when you when you uh, became in the reserves, you started focusing on education as a passion. Why why education? Why did you go that route? Yeah, well, it was really funny. I actually fell into it. Uh, but once I fell into it, I found like it was a place that I loved. Um, you know, uh, getting out of the army in 1991, Washington D.C. And happened upon an organization that was kind of similar to New Schools for Baton Rouge in some ways. It was a civic-led effort to help improve D.C. public schools. And as a person who had only graduated, you know, like eight years before, I was so astonished at the state of D.C. public schools, yep. right? It was my first real experience with urban, you know, schools. Um, and I really felt a calling for that mission. And, you know, I've been doing that work in one way, shape, or, or another, you know, ever since. And and you were a part of an effort that, uh, especially in the South, when you led the Black Alliance for Educational Options, you were working with other states to help create new school options for families. What you know? Why are these challenges so pervasive, especially in the South and urban communities? What what what's been your sort of understanding of how we got to this place? Yeah, I, th I think Chris, part of it is that. Um, you know, our economy is so different than it was when schools were created and even through most of our, you know, kind of history of public schools. Um, and, you know, I had an uncle, for example, who works at who worked at Barks Root Beer and he was able to get a job, you know, right out of school. Barks Root Beer probably didn't even graduate high school, mm -hmm. but he could get a job, take care of himself and his family and get a pension and, and be OK. Um, those kind of jobs rarely exist now. That's and so right. we need our public education system to do something very different. And I think we still haven't caught up in a lot of ways. And so we have a lot of kids who are in classrooms every day uh, where they're getting the kind of education that is not meaningful for them for whatever reason, uh, where they're disconnected. And teacher and student motivation are both, you know, real struggles for us. And so, you know, the work that we were doing at Bayo is some of the most fun work because it was going to communities and saying, this can be very different, right? We can make education more rigorous, more relevant for kids uh, that really get them on the kind of pathway that could transform their lives. And in too many places, that's still not happening. And it's not happening. And in a lot of places, people seem to have lost hope. They, I hear a lot of criticism over the years in my work in education that, um, you know, really where you grow up, what your family did, that ought to define 
where you end up, and, and you and I are both products yeah. of, of beating those odds. Exactly. And, and I think we both believe that those odds shouldn't define That's who right. you are. So That's right. what do you say to those those kind of critics that say it's just not possible to change it at scale? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think I think if we if we have small beliefs, right, we get small results. Um, and at the end of the day, I actually think it's doable. Like we have people who might not know how to do it, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. And uh, when we look at, you know, schools that have made dramatic increases for kids in very short periods of time. We look at schools that have been turned around um, in relatively short periods of time. And then we have others that take longer. Either way it goes, the pathway needs to be towards improving schools that we have and or, you know, injecting some new schools, some new energy in to be able to offer kids something very different. And I'm excited about doing that work. Well, I'm thrilled you're doing that work. In, in fact, you were one of my co-founders back in 2012 when uh, a lot of community leaders, we all came together and we said, you know, the fact that 90% of kids living in North Baton Rouge had yeah. no option but a failing school yeah. to attend, that that was unacceptable. Absolutely. So so we had some big beliefs. T- t- talk to us about um, uh, how New Schools for Baton Rouge got, got started from your perspective as as one of the co-founders and, and, and where it is today. Yeah. Well, you know, Chris, and, and again, I, I throw a lot of this credit back on you, right, who, you know, kind of we were doing work, we were seeing what was happening in New Orleans, and there were people who were saying that the only way, you know, that you could reform a big urban system, you had to have something like a Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. And we were just like, no, like that's, <laughs> there's no way, like, we're not gonna, you know, inject hurricanes in to actually fix education in the community. And so, you know, kind of, you know, working with people to say, if we take a city like Baton Rouge, right, that that is, you know, that should be manageable. Can we make a difference here without a natural disaster? Um, and I think we're well on the way, you know, towards doing that. But it's taken a lot of hard work, right? Every step hasn't been the right step, right? We've made some great progress. We've slid back a little bit. Um, and we still have a whole lot of work to do. But it is so promising right now. And I think when you look at parents who, who now have the option to choose from a variety of different options, that's one of the most important building blocks to creating an excellent education system so that every kid can access the right education for them. That's right. And, and so today we've got, what, 11,000 families? Yeah, about 11,000 are... families. Yeah. So in, in charters overall, I think we're, what, about 28% yep. uh, of kids in Baton Rouge. And again, I, you know, the one thing that I, I always try to let people understand is new schools for Baton Rouge is not just you know, charters, it's not just new schools. Like we want every kid to be in an excellent school, whether you choose a traditional public school, a charter school, a private school, like we have some really strong schools here. We just don't have enough of them yet. So talk to me about the rest of this decade. Uh, where where will we be by 2030? What what really is the big goal? Yeah, well, again, just like you said when you start this, I think 2030, you know, having every kid in an excellent school, like no D or F schools, like we should be beyond that. And I don't think that's super difficult to do. Um, but we have to do it. And it's going to take some will. It's going to take some tough stuff. Like there's some some district transformation stuff that, that we need to do. Um, you know, when you look at, at um, you know, school population, you know, you know, there's probably a dozen or so schools that have less than 300 kids mm-hmm. in those. And so the question becomes, is that the most effective and efficient way to educate them? Uh, might it be stronger if we did? And, and God, I know this is hard, but some closure and consolidation work so that you're able to mass the best talent uh, into the right schools to be able to, you know, improve education for kids. Like some of that work has to be done. And that's really hard work. 
uh, right now, you know, Chris, about 18% or so of kids come to kindergarten ready to learn. Um, so we have kindergarten teachers who, you know, they spend a lot say, of time. Say that number yeah, again. About 18% or, wow. or so. Um, so, you know, the work of, you know, teaching kids to be ready for kindergarten should be done beforehand. And so, you know, right now, you know, we, we just need to get more three-year-olds, more four-year-olds in full-day programs so that they can, you know, really improve that number so that when they're get to kindergarten, they're ready to go. Like, we, we need to do that. Um, well, why, yeah. why hasn't that happened before? I mean, it's so many people talk about uh, – I've got my own opinions, but, <laughs> but, I, but I want yours because you've seen this not only in Baton Rouge yeah. but other communities. You know, what, what has prevented us from getting to where we need to on ensuring every kid could have access to – high quality early learning opportunities. Yeah, you know, Chris, in my perspective, one it comes down sometimes to turf, right? Like I I have this program, you have that program, right? It is somewhat disjointed, right? There's not just a smooth, easy kind you of straightforward We all just don't want to work together. We all just don't want to work together necessarily. <laughs> um, and so that's a part of it. Uh, the second thing is is a resource, you know, question. Like we we, you know, Louisiana, I would argue does a really good job of resourcing our kindergarten through 12th grade schools. Uh, but, you know, pre-K, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, even two-year-olds, like we're, we're behind the barrel. Um, so, you know, that's part of it. Part of it is funding. Um, and so talking to community leaders and saying, what do we want early childhood education to look like for our kids so that more kids come to kindergarten ready? And if more kids come to kindergarten ready, then kindergarten is stronger and kids pick up literacy skills so much sooner, so much faster. And then we're off and running. That's but, right. But we Not need just to play catch up. Yeah. Uh, is this? I assume this is going to be part of your agenda. Yeah. Well, look, I, I, I just, I, it's time, right? Yep. I, I feel like, um, you know, New Orleans, uh, you know, at the, the, when we're doing this podcast, New Orleans just this past weekend uh, passed a really significant tax to help fund early childhood education. There's no reason New Orleans should be ahead of Baton Rouge in that. So, you know, it's work that we have to do, and I think it's work that we need to do urgently. Amen. No, we, we stay tuned to our listeners because uh, I think you'll be hearing a lot more about this this effort from from uh, collaborators like uh, Ken Campbell. Um, Ken, we're, we're coming off of uh, the pandemic, and you, yeah. you know, before you stepped into this seat to lead New Schools for Baton Rouge, um, you were heading one of the the largest and most successful public charter school networks that we've had here in Louisiana, Idea Public Schools. So you've witnessed firsthand. Uh, what the experience has been like, not only for students and families, but but our educators too. Um, how are we doing? What what what's what's what are still the lingering challenges from the pandemic in our schools across the the city and area? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good question, Chris. And I think answering that question and those leaders in schools that are best able to answer those are those schools that are going to be most successful. Um, one one you know byproduct that that we've seen in, in this is that uh, stress. Um, you know, time at home, whatever that is, has has certainly affected, you know, kind of student behavior and, and student life overall. Um, you know, this year, and I've told people this before, unfortunately, we expelled more kids from August to October of this school year than we did any previous school year. Um, wow. We had more fights, certainly. Um, we had uh, more kids, just inappropriate and, and, and not uh, positive behavior, like more drug activity uh, for kids who are just too young, seventh, you know, seventh grade, eighth grade. Uh, social media uh, was a problem, like more kids doing inappropriate stuff on social media, more um, confrontation on social media that 
then turn physical. Um, and I think that's affecting schools overall. So we certainly have to do something uh, to help get uh, our kids on track emotionally. Um, and it's not just kids. I think it's also adults. Um, you know, I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, earlier this week. And unfortunately, while I was there, I got a message across my phone about a brawl at McKinley High School, mm-hmm. right, which is just a historically black high school, right, highly regarded high school. Uh, but some things started between two students and it you know, spilled over into families. And next thing you know, family members are at the school engaged in a fight. And, you know, we have to go back and really take stock of why this is happening and help to get people back on the right track. And so that's a big one. And the second one, Chris, that really bothers me also is one about attendance. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see all the time stories about uh, attendance being low, about truancy, um, about, you know, just kids not coming to school. And no matter how good a school is, if a kid misses too many days, like we have no chance. And so, you know, how do we help our community overall have different conversations about one, expectations of students, how do we help them? And two, Two, how do we help our parents and our families, you know, know that it's critically important that we get every kid in school every day? That's right. That's right. And it's all of our responsibility yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. It, talk to me about the, the, the challenges that, that educators have been facing. I mean, yeah. We are, um, you know, uh, this is typically the teacher appreciation yeah, time in our, in our community. <laughs> and uh, we, we appreciate our teachers so much. And there's been a lot of discussion about, um, you know, that there's been some move of some educators thinking about leaving the field. Yeah. Now we've got uh, some some movement where retirees are, yeah. may have opportunities to come back. And so how, how are educators doing? How do we get more creative? Yeah. And, and boosting their morale and, and having a, a, a higher quality and, and, and more resilient workforce. Yeah, Chris, I, you know, I think the same way that kids have been going through it, they're going through it also. Um, I, I think we – I don't think we've done nearly enough to support the adults who work mm-hmm. in our schools, right? I think we assumed – that they were going to come back strong and ready to go. But I think it's been more stressful for them. Uh, I think we don't know, you know, all the challenges that they face during the pandemic. And so they're coming at this wanting to do the right thing for kids every day. But when it is more challenging to educate the kids because of what they've been through, uh, and we ask more of teachers, I, I would imagine that some of them feel like you're just asking me too much. Like, I just can't do everything that you're asking me to do. Um, you know, not just teach, but also, you know, call all the kids who aren't here today, right? And, and try to get them here. And if they're not here, how do I get materials to them to, to educate them and work with them? Uh, what do we do now where in the past I might have had a couple of behavior challenges that I could work with, but now I have two times as many or three times as many. And so the teaching job is hard. And I don't think we've done enough to kind of help teachers, you know, take take a step back and let's talk about how to manage this and ask them, you know, like, how, you know, help us to help you. Like, how do we get this right? I think we just assume that we're going back to school just like every other year. And so I do think that that has caused some people to wonder if this is what they want to do for the future. Um, but I think as long if they've decided, I think it should be. And I think we have to do a really good job of not just showing them how much we appreciate them, but I think also um, thinking about different ways to engage our workforce, right? We, we, we're not going to always have teachers who want to do this job the way it has traditionally been defined. We may have some people who want to do it differently. We should have space to be able to allow that. And so if I had somebody who could, you know, they want to teach geometry and they're really good at teaching geometry, but they're, 
not necessarily want to be a full-time teacher, I should have a way for them to teach a couple, two, three classes a day if they're really good at it, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, should, we should be able to do that. I think we need to rethink in some ways our school calendar. Like, how do we use our school calendar to make the year more manageable for teachers? Um, nobody, I don't think, uh, Chris, coming out of the pandemic, decided to try um, an intersessional school year where they kind of go to, sc- to, to school the, the full year, take more frequent breaks, have more time to reflect on student performance and be able to get better, more time for professional development. Like there's so many different things we could do that may make this feel a little bit different for our teachers. And I don't think we've done enough to really explore some of those, you know, it's, it's kind of like, how do we design a school that's not just great for kids, but also is great for adults. And I just, I think that's where we have to be. I love those ideas. Are, are there, um, when you think about education in the city, give us a sense of some big ideas that, that we ought to test and try here for, for Baton Rouge. Yeah. So that's one. I mean, I, I, I absolutely think we should, we should really test out, you know, kind of what happens if we rethink the school. I mean, there, there, there are only so many um, levers that you could pull, right. But you certainly have the one on time, which time is the one that always intrigues me because we have a limited amount of time, but you know, throughout our history, we've kind of defined the school day and the school year in very, in the exact same way. So what if we thought about that differently, right. Mm -hmm. And and what might that mean? Um, I'm really excited about, uh, the corporate charter school space, right. So, you know, the, the school that basis has with woman's hospital, I'm, I'm really excited, you know, um, uh, um, uh, Helix has a school up at the airport, right? right? So I'm really intrigued by, you know, kind of how do we more involve business and industry into not just, you know, CTE training, but from the very beginning saying, hey, we're going to take a, a, a big stock in this and be able to help make this school great um, and possibly get some of our employee kids in there, right? It's really exciting. We, we think Amazon now uh, is coming, right? And I know one of their big moves is around, you know, um, computer education, like what we're doing for kids and the programs right now are not as tight as they need to be. But when we think about, you know, an Amazon coming to our community, their, you know, economic uh, impact, their impact on the number of people who are now employed, and then being able to say, this is what it takes to be able to have a career um, at one of the, you know, most highly regarded companies in the country. I mean, that's, you know, that's amazing. So, you know, how do we get corporations to be more engaged with us and helping that I think is important. And, and I think importantly, Chris, we have a superintendent right now and superintendent Narcisse, I think who could be a great partner in this. Uh, I think superintendent Brumbley at the state department of education mm-hmm. could be a good partner in this. So it feels like we have some things aligned and that doesn't mean that we're always going to be on the same page or that any of the work is easy, but I think, you know, being bold right now is what's required. Now, we, with with these options and, and the ability to test a lot of these great ideas, like year-round school, um, public charter schools, some of our independent and private yeah. schools, even even some of the things that, that Superintendent Narcisse are pushing, you've got an opportunity to really test a lot of these ideas. Now, the downside of that is you have this sort of explosion of choice. And for families yeah. navigating that choice, that that can be incredibly complex. So how how do we how do we marry those things together to sort of 
um, grow great schools, grow interesting, innovative options, but also make sure that they're accessible for families? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. Um, and I appreciate you asking that one because right now, you know, schools are out. They're asking families to choose, you know, their particular school. Um, my experience when I was with that with idea is that families would choose schools across the they would apply at six seven eight nine different schools uh to try to get into the best place for their kid we have to find a way to make it easier for parents to choose um you shouldn't have to go to four or five different schools apply at all of them separately you know so having a centralized system right that allows a parent to apply and be able to go to any school in the district they want to be able to go to Magnet school, charter school, traditional public school. How great would it be if a parent could come in, learn about all the options, put in one application. A one-stop uh, shop. A one-stop shop. You don't like, have to go all around the city. You don't have to go all and... around the city. You don't have to stop at every place. Like, one-stop shopping. And we we are able then, I think, to better get parents into the right programs and provide some important regularity for schools and systems so that everybody knows, okay, these are the kids who are going to be here. Because if a parent applies at four or five places, you don't know where they're going to show up in August. That's right. Right. So parents need the regularity and the simplicity. Schools need the the great data on who's coming to show up. And you know, I'm hoping we could do something with that. And, and look, particularly as you said, coming out of the pandemic, what what has made me so worried for for our families and students is that there's there's not one entity that has a great handle yeah. on where every student is, except for two points in the school year. That's in October and February, Absolutely. if they even get the data out. If they get time. the data so out. We, we we really don't know what else yeah. we can be wrapping around our students and families if we don't if we don't if we know, don't know. Every kid has that's chosen. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ken, as you sort of uh, think about um, um, the future, I'd, I'd love um, what 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 will hold us back from this potential you've talked about today. I mean, you you described a city where. Um, we could assure that no kid ever has to go to a failing school, yeah. a city where every kid could have these amazing options starting from birth yeah. on what, what's going to hold us back. Why will we not realize that vision? Well, I, there are a lot of things I think that could hold us back, but there are a few, you know, and, and the biggest one is probably, you know, kind of issues around relationship and turf, right? It is, this is my piece of the, the pie and I'm going to protect that pie and other people have their own pieces. Um, and we really have to look at this whole thing holistically, right? We have to look at it and we have to help other leaders in the city see this as one pie that we have to get right. And we don't have time to go back and forth with, you know, different people trying to put their own ingredients in, right? We have to get to the point to where we say, these are the ingredients that we need. Let's go forward and make that pie. And so if we could get past some of the turf issues, some of the politics, um, I think there's nothing that could stop us. And you are the right leader for that. Uh, I know throughout your career, you have you have managed through complex organizations, yeah. complex relationships, uh, and been able to bring people together. And yeah. so uh, count us certainly as partners who who want to build that with you. Yeah, outstanding. I'm looking forward to it. Ken, for, for guests who are listening in and, and want to connect or find a way that they can support uh, you uh, in, in this vision, uh, support New Schools for Baton Rouge, how can they get in touch with you? Very simple. Uh, check out our website, New Schools br.org and uh, you know all of our information is there the right way to contact us and you know I really believe that the community is such an integral part of this so if you call us we're going to get back to you we're going to work with you that's awesome well thank you so much Ken for joining us in this podcast for more information about new schools for Baton Rouge please visit newschoolsbr.org 
N-E-W-S-C-H-O-O-L-S-B-R.org, newschoolsbr.org to learn more. As always, thank you for listening in. I'm your host, Chris Meyer, and our mission is to elevate the stories, people, and ideas that make Baton Rouge a better place. To learn more about the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, please visit our website at braf.org and become a member today.